Now, this is Timothy, our youth pastor, and he is great, man. I, I, he is, like, I love having him as a youth pastor, and I love having him as a friend. And so, I mean, I love having him this morning because he always kills it. And I will say, no pressure, but I heard from everyone at 9, nine o'clock service that it was amazing. And so uh, it's going to be awesome. Just throwing out $100 bills. Yeah, man, all service, now. man. So that's going to be good. And that's sitting right there. All right, so let me pray for you, and uh, then you can do it. Father, we thank you for Timothy. We thank you for his life. Let us thank you for the way that he loves well. I thank you for the way that he leads well. God, I thank you for the way that he cares well for his youth, God, for his friends, his family. I thank you for the way that he loves and cares for vintage as a whole. Lord, I pray this morning as he speaks, Lord, that you would bless him, that you would give him peace, and that you would help him to communicate well, that, God, we would be changed by it, but I also pray, God, that he would be changed by it. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys. How's it going? Um, Here's the deal. I am not a boater, meaning that I don't own a boat. Surprise. Did any of you, like, want to see? So there are two types of people, those who own boats and those who don't, where you're like, man. And then he was like, you can bring, like, a kayak or a canoe. And I was like, I could tape a bunch of styrofoam coolers together, and we will be in business, brother. I felt real good about my, myself then. Um, as Steve said, don't start Elizabeth. So that's Elizabeth Don Diego Cossack over there. She's been bullying me all morning. So I'm debating whether or not to use the power of the microphone to like vivisect her in front of everyone right now. Um, but I think she'll be okay. I think she's going to be good. Right, Elizabeth? I'm going to laugh and take notes of I may or may not have been exaggerating that claim. Anyway, uh, my name is Timothy. I work here, and it's awesome. So yeah, that's about as good. Steve did a great job with the introduction. Um, so here's the deal. For, since uh, we started 2017, which kind of, does it still blow your mind as 2017? It kind of still freaks me out a little bit. Um, we've been doing this thing called family resolutions, and, and the idea behind it is that we see family in sort of two overlapping, whatever you want to call it, two overlapping ideas. One, that we have biological families who gather at Vintage, call Vintage home, um, and we want to give you things you can do, things that you can resolve to say, my family will do these things, be centered on these things, strive for these things, and it will improve the health, the stability, the spiritual vitality of your family. Um, That's kind of like group one. The, The second thing is that we believe that vintage is a family. Um, we believe that God has made us new. He, he renewed our hearts and centered us and gathered us as his people around Jesus. And as such, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Like the Bible uses this language pretty, pretty frequently. Um, that we're God's children, that we have mothers and fathers in, in the faith, that we have children in the faith. And so we think that vintage is not just people who kind of get together in the same place on the same day or frequently. It is people um, who have chosen to be together, not because it's easy, but because it's better. Uh, and, and so we're saying that as a family, as a, as a spiritual family, there are things that we want to resolve to do. There are things that we want to go after, be like, strive for, all that stuff. Um, so Steve, Steve talks a lot about marriage. And a couple of weeks ago, he kind of started talking about the relationships between parents and children, or sort of like older generation, younger generation. I'm going to kind of continue that conversation um, because it's my job. Uh, and so hopefully after five or six years, I've learned something that will be of use. Um, so here's my hope. My hope is that when we get done, 
Um, one, you'll better understand younger people. Um, and two, that you will have a desire to actually live in such a way that you are a blessing and benefit to them. And third, um, that we would kind of resolve together that Vintage would be a place um, where young people, students, um, our kids can come. They feel welcomed, they feel encouraged, and they feel like this is a place where they can become who God wants them to be. That's our, that's our goal, right? That's my goal. Not too much, right? I will tell you, whatever, like there are people who said they came to hear me. You need to lower your bar right now. I'm going to thrive on a low bar, right? Like take whatever Steve and Scott are and be like, that's Olympic pole vaulting. Give me like developing toddler, like high jump, and that's, and we'll be good. Um, so I want to tell you a few things first, kind of like things you need to know before we start. One, when I talk about this, I'm going to paint with broad strokes. So I'm going to say a lot about students or kids or whatever. And so raise your hand if you're below the age of, we'll say, 21. 21 and lower. Raise your hand. Raise your hand, Garrett. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about y'all a lot. And when I say y'all, if it's not you, don't get, like, been out of shape, okay? Like, I'm just trying to do it for the sake of the talk. Chill out, Ashley, all right? Can you do that for me? So I'm going to say, parent, raise your hand if you're older than 21. It's everybody else. So I'm going to refer to us a lot. And if I say something about you that isn't true, okay, it's my own personal experience. I'm just trying to do a talk, okay? So, like, don't be like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Okay, cool. It might apply to everybody else. Whatever. Let's just have some fun here. Um, second thing, I'm going to try, I'm going to attempt to be funny. It will go better if you do some self-policing. And if you go, that sounded like a joke. Just laugh. Go for it. I don't know what your church experience... Where are you going? You're not... What are you doing? Steve, Janine, he, he, he doesn't... He, don't, he doesn't... No, he's not up here, you know? <laughs> so that's what you can expect, right? Like, because here's the deal. I'm going to smuggle in one of my convictions. And that's that sometimes, like, we can do the church thing. And because I'm standing a little bit higher than you are and I have a microphone, that it's like you're... Consi- this is... We're all doing it together, Right? Like, we're all participating together. And so I'm going to pick on people. Josiah, who just walked out of the room, he's going to get beat up a lot today. Um, I've known him a while. Um, we've been through most of ages and stages with Josiah and his parents, Steve and Janine. So I feel pretty confident that I can say whatever I want to, and he's just going to be like, meh, whatever. And Steve and Janine will be like, yeah, that's right. You heard him? You heard him? Or at least that's my Janine voice. Steve is much deeper. Uh, <laughs> she has four sons. She's got to get the... The, the, the rasp going. Anyway, so I'm going to try to be funny. We're doing great already. Um, here's the deal. We're going to talk a lot about students, how we can understand them, what we can do for them. So I'm going to give, like, the way I work, the way I've realized I work best is I'm going to give you a lot. Um, and at some point you're going to go, no, too much. And that's fine. All I want you to walk out of here with is one thing that you feel like you can do to do what we're talking about better. That's all. And so I find that I, if I give more, it gives more people the ability to find their thing. Um, thanks for shaking your head. Mom. That's my mom, by the way. Hey, mom. That's my mama. <laughs> uh, her and this guy right here have dealt with a lot from me. So as we go through, <laughs> look at that. Oh, I will. I will. Okay, we're gonna just gonna not. Yeah. You can laugh at Todd, not with Todd. It's fine. Um, 
so here's the deal. If you want really great illustrations on all this stuff I'm going to say, just talk to my mom and my dad, and they'll be like, oh, let me tell you what Timothy did. So, like, all of you guys, if y'all want to know stuff, like, good stuff, these two right here will tell you everything you need to know, and it'll be good. Um, so, anyway, I'm going to give you a lot. Hopefully it works. Um, so there's going to be some stuff that we talk about that could be difficult. Um, and here's what I, and here's why I'm just going to go ahead and lead with this. How many of you have kids that are some age? How many, raise your hand if you have kids. Lots. Okay. So here's what I know. I don't have kids. I don't, I don't have biological children. Um, I do feel a pretty big responsibility for these bunch over here, but they're not my kids. Um, like I don't have to feed them. They don't come home with me, but here's what I've learned. This is, this is what I've learned that being a parent is the hardest thing you can ever do. Everybody's like, Oh God, thank you. Yes, it is. Um, so some of the things I'm going to say may be hard. Like you, like here's like, I've learned that most parents, a lot of times walk around going, I'm just trying my best. And they feel like you get it wrong a lot and you feel like you mess up a lot and you feel like you blow it more than you get it right. And you feel like everybody notices and everybody's like, well, I can do it a hundred times better. And so, but here's the thing is if I say anything that comes across as negative, that's not what I mean. Like, I just want us to grow together as spiritual parents at Vintage. Okay. And so there could be some things where you're like, ah, oh, that kind of hits my, I, I, that's not what we're going for here. We're going for growth, not condemnation. Um, and then finally, like, we're all in this together, okay? So all the folks, real quick, raise your hands again if you're parents. Look around at hands raised. Keep your hands up. Look around. All of these people have all the same stuff you do, right? Like, so if you looked at somebody with your hand raised, like, they have the same stuff, the same struggles, the same questions, the same doubts, the same insight. They have all that same stuff. And here's the great part about being a family is we're all in it together, we're in it together. And here's the great thing. So raise your hand if you're under the 20. Raise your hand if you're a child again. All right, so here's the deal. All of y'all, we're all in this for you. We believe in you so much. Like the reason that we do the stuff we do is because we believe so deeply in who God wants you to be. That we'll give our time, our money, our sleep, our patience, our hair not being gray. Like, I'm actually starting to get grays on the side. Yeah, I did that to my mom, just so you all know. She used to be lustrous and brown, and now she's a silver fox. It's all me. My younger sister, perfect angel baby. You can get stories later. Anyway, so we're in this for you, okay? We good? Can we agree on that stuff? All right, so here are the scriptures we're going to go through. We're going to go through Colossians 3, 20 and 21, and then Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Um, I'm going to read it. It's on the screen. Uh, let's get going. So it says this. Children. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And I want to read it from the message, too, because I feel like it, it has a real good sort of take on this. It says, children, do what your parents tell you. This delights the master to no end. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children, or you'll crush their spirits. Does anybody else does anybody feel it? And you're like, ooh, I don't want to be a spirit crusher. Ah, that's, I, yeah, it's good. Um, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 says this. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you in the land and you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I want to read this in the message, too, because I think it has a, a really good, again, another good take on it. It says, children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. 
Honor your mother and father as the first commandment has a promise attached to it, namely, so you will live well and have a long life. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. So here's my, here are my thoughts about this. My, I, I think that this is, Paul is pretty clearly laying out that there are basically two ways we can go. We can go the way where we encourage, we lead in the way of the Lord, we give life to, we inspire, we breathe breath into, we build up spirit. Or we can go the way of exasperation, we can go the way of domineering, we can go the way of control, we can go the way of crushing spirit. And I bet you can guess which way I think is best. It is not crushing spirits. The only thing I crush is beach volleyball. Been to find out, y'all better watch out. My beach volleyball team is like undefeated at our camp beach volleyball tournament, so all of them. Ask Brooks Gillum. He knows. He found out. He thought they thought they had an all-star squad last year. They were kind of talking junk. They got destroyed in like the second round by some like eighth graders or something. I don't know. Anyway, that's we want to crush in beach volleyball and, and basketball, not in spirit. Um, so here's here's the question we're gonna ask. How do we become these sort of people? How do we build this sort of community? How do we kind of like foster this sort of ethos as parents. And first, what I want to do um, is I think we get to, we want to get to know the people we're talking about, right? So I'm going to bring some kids up randomly and they're going to tell you who they are. Jackie, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would, Jackie almost died. <laughs> she was like, oh no. <laughs> That's actually the way she talks. It's like a librarian. It's very soothing. Um, so here's the deal. Steve, thank you so much. Steve, you are my man right now. I love your red-faced laughter. That makes me feel real secure. Um, so here's the deal. is I'm going to tell you some stuff that I didn't know before I started my job and really frustrated me in the beginning. Because I, like, here's the thing. is I would sit down and I would have, like, lunch or dinner or whatever with a student and be like, how's it going? And they'd be like, ah, it's not going so good. They will tell me about it. And they'd be like, this, 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 and this. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. They'd be like, okay, and we'd come up with a little plan, come back next week, and they would be like, that's not going so good. And they said the same things over again. And I was like, it's not like six days. We talked like Tuesday, and it's Monday. Like, what's going on here? And they're like, I don't know. And then we, so we'd set up another plan and whatever. And then like it would, this process would repeat itself for like seven years. And I was like, what's going on? Why, why is that? This is frustrating to me. Or, like, I would, like, have a conversation with a student and would seem like, oh, man, we had this connection. We have gone past youth pastor and youth oh, what do you, what, student, whatever, youth, to where, like, we're friends now. And then, like, the next week they would do something that just, like, shredded me emotionally. And I'd be like, How, what is going on? And maybe you all experience this, right? Like, maybe you give birth to a child. And over the course of their life, you're like, who is this alien being living in my house? Like the person you are when you wake up is night and day different from the person that comes home from school, is different than the person that comes home from practice, is different from the person who eats dinner with us, is different than the person when you're with your friends, when you're with your team, when you're with your mom, when you're with your dad, when you're with, like it's, and you're like, what is going on? Like I just said, hey, and you blew up at me. I asked you what song you wanted to put on the radio and you just broke down weeping. And I'm just talking about Josiah. I don't even know. The re- <laughs> you're going to get, hey, you're going to get lit up today, son, just so you know. 
You're going to get lit up. We're going to have an extra 20 minutes of just Josiah jokes. So y'all just strap in, okay? Um, so here, so, and I just didn't get it. And then there's some things I learned that I would like, so here's the thing that I really, is I would like kind of blame kids. Like I'd be like, what's your deal? What? Like, and I'd get kind of mad or hurt or offended. And I learned some things and here's what I realized. It's not their fault. It's just not. It's not something they chose to do. It's not something they wanted to do. It's not something that they devised. They got in a little group and Jackie and Ashley were like, let's ruin Timothy's Wednesday. Like it wasn't that. Like, at least I don't think. Y'all did that? Funny story. So this is Ashley and Jackie. Ashley and Jackie, raise your hands. They spent all of Friday texting me and calling me in class about how one was bullying the other. Do they look like they're bullying each other right now? This was a farce, I tell you. To, 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 to just be like that. Anyway, so that's what we deal with, all right? Anyway. You know, y'all are going to get picked on a lot today, Campbell, all right? Sarah Hambrick. I'm coming in for all of y'all. I have a microphone. No one can stop me. Elizabeth Kosick. Anyway. Um, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, it's not, we're just, we're not, like, trying to, yeah, anyway. Um, so here are the things I learned. I'm going to start general and go more specific to the group of kids we kind of deal with. Um, first off, Let's meet who we're talking about. So these are our high school students right here. Very lifelike. Very lifelike. Um, we're going to call these high school students, what should their names be? Let's just go with Andrew and Arden. That sounds great, right? Let's go with Andrew and Arden. These are Andrew and Arden. Um, and they're, they're in high school. And they're, you know, 15, 16, whatever your high school age is. Um, but really, they're sort of emblematic of most of the kids, I'm going to, I will say that I'm going to go with the kids that I deal with. So this is like 11 to 20, 21-ish. Um, they're sort of emblematic of them. And, 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 you know, they look normal on the outside, as most of them do. But they got stuff going on beneath the surface. Namely, here, here's one thing they have. They have a brain, okay? Looks like this. Ooh. <laughs> Be amazed by the picture. It's like I like Jedi mind tricked y'all into paying attention. This is awesome. Um, but here's some things that, that you, you, we don't really know, that, or I didn't know. Y'all probably know all of this. Um, that I didn't know that go on in their brain that's different than goes on in, in, in our brain. Well, y'all's brain. I don't know about mine. Um, namely, here are a few things. In, in, in the age group we're talking about, 11, 12 years old to 20 to 24, besides the first three years of human life, this is the most unprecedented time of brain development. Like, stuff is going on that is transforming them as individuals. And, like, here's the deal. Like, let me just go ahead and say this. This isn't speculation. This is, like, repeatable, proven research that's, like, this is just the way it is. Um, so let me tell you about a few of these things that are going on. And let me see if they help you, under, help you like, they help me understand some stuff. So first off, they're developing all this new brain matter. And so they're, uh, they're beginning to have these skills where they can begin to, like, Think in, abstract, think in abstract ways, start like this reasoning process. And, and what happens is, one of the first things that happens is they start to be able to identify themselves in the eyes of other people. So they stop thinking of themselves just like from, their out, from behind their eyes out, and they start going, what does Aunt Becky think about me? I can imagine that if I do this, Aunt Becky would think this. What does Harvest think about me? I imagine if, if I did this, she would think this. And so they begin to... Think about themselves as they relate to other people, not just the way that they do things to other people, but the way, uh, the opinions that others form of them. So pretty early on, 12 years old-ish, you start to notice something. It becomes a really big deal what other people think. 
What the people you value think about you becomes a big deal. What they think about the way you dress, what they think about the way you talk, what they think about your jokes, what they think about the sports you play, what they think about who you hang out with, what they think about the TV, all this stuff becomes a big deal. And along with this come other reasoning skills that aren't necessarily there all the time. So have you ever had a conversation with someone in this age group and you're like, you're the smartest person I've ever met. And then they do the dumbest thing you've ever heard of in your entire life. It's because it's not there all the time. These are like brand new skills. So it's like it's not all the way there yet. It's like, um, so for instance, Skylar Davis right here is a phenomenal place kicker. Um, kicks for Alatoona High School. I watched him kick a 65-yard field goal without warming up. It was incredible. Like, it was great. He's almost as good as <laughs> Mr. Cox right here. I mean, y'all are the same, right? But his sister Willow is a way better athlete than him anyway, so don't worry about it. Um, no, I, like, that's actually true. Sorry, Skylar. That's going to go on, like, the Internet, so everyone's going to know. Um, so, like, I don't know how to place kick. So if Skylar took me out and gave me a lesson... Like, I might be able to do the stuff he teaches me right then and there, but like a week later, I might not remember the finer points. I might remember some of the broader emotions, but the finer points probably won't stick. That's the way it's like. So you might have this like really crazy relationship in the way that they think about, talk about, do, reason over here, and the way that they act over here, especially in stressful situations. Let me tell you about some other stuff that's going on here. So there's this part of the brain called the limbic system. We're going to make two new best friends, the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex. I know y'all are like, I came to church, not school. Smarty McGee. No, if I can learn this, everyone can learn this. So this is the limbic system. Let me tell you what the limbic system controls. So this comes in first, and this is like the accelerator on a car. This is what makes you go. The prefrontal cortex that we're going to talk about in a second, that's the brakes. That's what helps you say, maybe not a good idea. So, for instance, if you were, I don't know, let's think about something. Like, if you were going to go to Waffle House and play What's New Pussycat by Tom Jones like 25 times, right? Like, part of you might be like, that's hilarious, But then your prefrontal cortex comes in and says, somebody might kill me because that's an annoying song and you don't do it. That's the way that works, right? It's brakes and accelerator. So let me tell you what the limbic system does and tell me if this sounds interesting to you. This controls things like fear, aggression, excitement, and sexual attraction. So think think those things pushing you forward with no brakes. Fear, excitement, aggression, sexual attraction, impulsivity, stuff like that. Sound like anybody you know? Looking at some of you, Brandon. Um, I'm, t- I'm just going to take all the jabs I can. Um, so basically what's happening is this, this stuff is being installed that's pushing them forward in certain ways, and they don't have the way to turn off the brakes. More than that, they, don't, they physically, psychologically don't have the ability to see around the corner. Like, you want, like, do you ever, like, you're like, I can connect the dots there. Why did you do that? Like, I don't know. It seemed fun. Right? Like, that's the world I live in, Right? Like, I have a broken window pane in my house because someone's like, I don't know, throwing a frisbee at your house seemed fun. Like, that's, that's what it's like. But here's the deal. It's not their fault. It's not like they're like, oh, I'm just not going to pay attention to you. It's just not there yet. So there has to be a certain amount of grace and a certain amount of proactive, of proactivity, proactiveness? What is it, proactivity, Steve? Proactivity in dealing with this. So let's talk about the prefrontal cortex. Actually, wait, hold on. Let's talk about the limbic system for one more, one more thing. Um, so this is also, uh, this does a few more things. Impulsivity. 
impulsiveness. So this is saying, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this with no breaks. It's also the thing um, that is linked to loving new things, attaching risk, like attaching reward to risk, attaching reward to trying something new. So think new thing, fun, rewarding, no breaks. You, you see where that would get you? You understand what we're saying here? So then you get the prefrontal cortex. This is the breaks. This is like things like self-regulation, insight, consciousness, decision-making, mood, attention, judgment, and insight. So you see that little lovely part right there on the front, the pink part? It's like right behind your forehead. This is what helps you see around the corner. This is what helps you say the fun thing might not be the best thing. The new thing might not be the best thing. The thing that I want right now might not be the, the best thing. But that comes in later. You see, you see how this kind of like builds out here? Yes, Keely, right there. So like the stuff that we kind of get frustrated with and want to assign blame for, we kind of can't. We can't just go, you're, you're, you're disobedient, you're bad, you're not thoughtful, uh, whatever. We can't do that. We don't let it run free. But we just have to be more proactive and saying, how do we actually engage through these stages rather than just go, smash, 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 right? So this is the kind of brain activity that's going on. So we take that brain, we put it inside Andrew and Arden, and where do we put these people? We put them in school, right? We put them in middle school and high school. Now, I didn't know this. Maybe, maybe you all knew this. Did you all know that middle school and high school are like pretty new inventions as far as culture goes? I didn't know that. It's crazy. I just thought it had always been there as a way to torture and torment kids, as a way to make, you know, from 11 to 18, not very fun. Um, but so, I mean, but it makes sense if you think about it, you know, before industrial revolution, what were kids doing? Well, they were working. It's like, hey, you're big and strong. Why don't you go throw this in the back of a truck? Hey, you're old enough to carry this, carry it. And basically what you did before that is once you were old enough to work, you worked with your family. And so ba- the, the relations you were forming were people you worked with in your family. That's basically it. So children had a lot of time to interact with older people much earlier on. They're they given a lot more responsibility earlier on. But then machines started doing the work of people, and you had to train people to do this work. The labor force got cut. So what do we do with all these younger people who don't have jobs anymore? Well, we put them here, put them in high school and middle school. And then you see something interesting start to happen. You have these age groups start to spend a lot more time around each other in meaningful times rather than with their family. And so what happens? Who become the most important people? Friends. Say it again, Mom. Thank you. Um, These are the people that that are with you in the most formative times. These are the people that are with you the longest. These are the people who do the stuff you value. These are the people who you want to value and validate you. So you take, the, you take these kids who are learning who they are, you take these kids who are developing mentally, who, who kind of think because of the way their brain is that everybody's watching them, that everybody's attention is focused on them because of this brain development stuff, and then you put them here where all of a sudden social stuff becomes a really, really big deal. And so all of a sudden it's like, I, I, I got to figure out where I fit. I got to figure out what's going on. I got to figure out who my people are, and, and it's just fits perfectly with the way the brain is developing. Have you ever felt like your kids' friends know them better than you? Have you ever felt like that? Say yes or no. Yes, no. Maybe. But this is why. 
It's not because they don't trust you or don't like you. It's just because that's the way it's set up. Again, we have to engage. And then let's throw in something else. So you have kids with this brain stuff going on. You have kids in high school and middle school. And then you start to give them something really interesting. What do they have? Boom. Right? What? No, it's great. I just felt really good. Like, I thought I led that very well. So then you get this, right? You get this, and it might be that. It might be in the form of a tablet. It might be in the form of a laptop. It might be in the form of whatever. But all of a sudden, this, like, proliferation of technology happens, and you have access to everything instantly. You have access to information. You have access to people. You have access to any stimulus you want. And everything starts to move very quickly. Like, have you ever been like, why, why won't my kid pay attention to me? You give them this in prime brain development time, and all of a sudden their brain starts to wire itself around ease of access. Everybody can have it. it it's more that, have, like, the, and it's easy to think that it's bad. Like, it's easy to look at it and go, put it down. Do you, we, who grew up, like, so I remember a time when the internet took like 40 years to get on. Who, raise your hand if you remember a time when there was no internet. Raise your hand if you remember a time when there were no cell phones. Raise your hand if you had a bag phone. Anybody? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so proud of y'all, man. My grandmother had a bag phone. It was the coolest thing in the world. We'll talk about it later. Don't worry. Um, so here's the deal. Because it's new for us, we think, ah, uh, dispensable, uh, could be good, could be bad, maybe bad. And because it's new, we maybe look and say, I don't like this. It's just, I, I, here's the thing, it's just the way it is. It's not good or bad, it's the way you use it. Just like money, right? Like money can be used for good stuff, money can be used for bad stuff. You don't go, well, I'm never going to use money again. I mean, try to see how it works out. You'll be Amish, and you'll like, you have a sweet buggy, but like nothing else. So like this, like, can, can I tell you what doesn't work? What doesn't work is put it down, change, act differently, think that it just doesn't work. So we've got to figure out how to use this differently, right? Here's the other thing it does is through this and things like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, stuff like that, you are constantly linked to everyone you value and you want to value you. So like for people like me, who grew up when there was none of that, you could go home and you could be yourself when you got home. There, was no, there wasn't that much pressure. What happens when you go home now? Pictures, tweets, Snapchats. You always have to be on. Everyone's looking. You, and, and think about, well, so what's going on? I want people. I want to fit. I want connection. I want to connect with my friends. I want to connect with those people I want to be friends with. And so there's this tremendous amount of stress all the time permeating pervasively through their life. So let's think about this. They're in this crazy time when they're figuring out who they are, what they want to be. Everything kind of feels out of control internally. Then they're put in this situation where it's like, Figure out who you are with a bunch of people who are just as lost as you are. And then we give them this thing that says everything moves fast and everybody has access to you all the time. And then we say, and you really don't have that much control because we tell you when to get up. We tell you when to eat. We tell you where to go. We tell you all this other stuff. And then eventually you're just going to go off on your own. For me, I look at that and I go, that doesn't sound as easy as I think it looks. Right? 
Like, I think we kind of look and we're like, oh, you guys have it pretty easy. And I don't think you do. I think it's actually really hard. It's hard in a different way, though. Like, they, like their stuff is different than our stuff, but it feels the same. So like you look and you're like, oh, your friend doesn't think, doesn't want to hang out with you? Okay, well, get over it. You don't have a mortgage to pay. <laughs> right? Like, that, is that kind of the way? And let's be honest, that's kind of what we think a little bit, right? But that's, that's it. Like, that, because of what's going on here, is the most pressing and important thing. Right? And so there has to be some level, some level of, of intent to bridge the gap and say, I don't fully understand, but gosh, I want to. I'm not willing just to look and say, you need to be like me, only smaller. You need to think like me, reason like me, act like me, use technology like me, talk like me, listen to music like me, interact with other people like me, talk to me like I would talk. We can't do that. It's a losing, it would be fighting a losing battle because not only are you fighting cultural shifts, you're just fighting biology. Like, like tell, go ahead and grab you some 15 year old boys and be like, don't like girls. Try it. See how it works. Just letting you know, that's a losing battle. Tried. Tried a lot. That, that, was, that was a joke. So we're going to go back to the script here. Um, so, um, like, and, and I think we can look and say, all right, let's just get through it. Let's just, let's just make it through, and one day they'll be more like me, and they'll be, like, contributing and awesome and whatever. And I just think that's such a terrible way to look at them. I think, that, like, I think there's so much more that we could do than just manage bad outcomes, Right? Like I think if we were willing to commit to a few things, that we could serve, we could serve our kids in a way that would far surpass what we could understand. I want to give you some things I think we should commit to from the passages we read. First, I think we need to be willing to lead, right? Like we need to be willing to step up and say, I, I am willing to do what it takes to help you get to where you need to go. Not in a domineering way, not in spirit, soul, dream-crushing way, but in a way that says, hey, I'm a little bit further along. I know the ropes a little bit. I can see around the corner. I have your best interest in mind. I don't have my agenda in mind. I want to help you get to where you ultimately want to go. And I think if we commit to that as a congregation, if we commit to say, we'll do this, we will model this, we will model how to live the life that God calls us to live. And then as parents, we say that. Well, that's powerful, right? Like my, if I'm designing everything, my dream is I could take like, I could take, uh, let's take Brandon Carter, right? I want to take Brandon Carter and I'm going to take somebody, I'm going to take, uh, let's take Scott Crawford, Right? My goal would be to take Brandon and say, Brandon, I believe so much that we're committed to leading through our lives well that you could spend a week with Scott Crawford, and I'm totally comfortable that if you just did what he modeled for you, you would grow into the man that God intended you to be. That would be what I would, that's dream scenario, because we are living so intentionally to bless the people coming behind us with our actual lives, right? Like we are so intent on leading practically, really, intentionally, proactively, that, 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 that we can be looked at and followed. 
And so, and I'm, here's, I'm going to say this, and I don't mean to be, like, it's, I don't mean to be exclusive. I'm just going with what the Bible says and what my experience says. So it starts, both of them start with, when it talks to parents, it says fathers. I think it says that intentionally. Um, because dads are a big deal. It's just the way, it's just the way it works. I don't know why. I didn't choose it. I, I, it's just the way it is. I've talked to a ton of kids who a, lot of the, who a lot of the stuff they have is dad stuff. A lot of the things that hurt them were dad things. So I just want to say, if you're a dad, you have a responsibility. And, and you need to take it seriously. Because you've got people looking at you. You've got people depending on you. You've got people who are going to look at you and gauge how they interact with guys for the rest of their life off of you. And that's not pressure. That is an unbelievable privilege. You can control that. You can do it. More than that, I think parents, because what Paul is saying here, it's not just dads, but it's parents, with fathers, the emphasis there. He says, parents, you have an unbelievable privilege. And we were going through the emotionally healthy spirituality stuff. My mom would call me and be like, Timothy, did I destroy you? And I was like, no, mom, like, <laughs> no, you're great. Like, I, and so I was very fortunate to have great parents. I mean, I know a lot of kids who are fortunate to have great parents. But there's some who don't. Um, but, but rather than talk to that, I want to want to talk to you all. Like, I get that parenting is hard, but it's a great responsibility. And it's a great privilege. And I think I think if we do it with the grace of God, blowing wind in our sails, um, you, you'll be able to do something that you that you just couldn't imagine. Um, I do want to do something real quick. This isn't like really in the script, but this can be a lot of pressure, right? Like, this can be a lot of things like, am I going to destroy a human being? And it can be hard. And nobody gives you instructions, right? Like, how many people got an instruction manual when the kid popped out? They're like, here. Like, you know, like, it didn't happen. At least I didn't have it. I know that. It would have been lots. Um, so here's what I want to do. Just real quick, if you're a parent and you feel sort of overwhelmed with parenting, I'd like to pray for you right now. Um, just real quick, everybody who's a parent, raise your hand. Look around. So all of us have the same feelings going on, so there's no judgment. Nobody's going to go, oh, whatever. So if you're a parent who feels kind of overwhelmed right now, would you mind raising your hand so we can pray for you? Raise your hand. All right, look around. Raise them high so we can see you. All right, if you see somebody raising their hand, kind of just move towards them, lean in towards them a little bit, and we're just going to pray real quick. So look around. Hands up if that's you. Hands up, hands up, hands up. Come on, there's no stuff here. There's no like, oh, I don't want to, no, like it's, we're, we're, it's too serious for that, right? Like it's, the stakes are too high to be like, I don't know if raising, no, we're going to, we're playing for keeps here. All right. Um, so here's the deal. You just go ahead and pray and I'll pray and we're just going to take 30 seconds. Um, so Jesus, um, parenting is such a gift. Our kids are such a gift. I love them a lot. And I pray where there's anxiety, fear, um, feelings of insecurity or inadequacy that your grace would wash over those, that you would prepare and equip um, whoever, whoever it is, to do everything that you've called them to do, that they would feel secure, not in their ability, but in your strength. And I pray, God, that through the Holy Spirit, you would bless our children through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. A um, couple more things, and then we're going to be done. Um, so we have to be willing to assume the best. So here's the deal. Like, I think we can look at kids sometimes, and because they're different, we think they're worse. And I'm just, I'm just, just going to tell you, like, your kids, tell me if I'm wrong, your kids think they're really cool. 
Your kids think they're really popular. They think the stuff they're doing is a big deal. Um, and they think they're awesome. Is that accurate to some degree? Here's why they are. They are awesome. And they're so, and they're so great. Um, and I think if, I think if we were willing to see them, like we were willing to look, not just at our kids, but as all of them, as God sees them, like it, it would change everything, right? Like I love, like I, I have the best job in the world because I, I get to see it all the time. I get to be around it all the time. And it breaks my heart that sometimes because other people, like because they can be misunderstood or they can be difficult sometimes, that we wouldn't always assume the best. That we wouldn't always look at them and say, you're a, you are the, you are a treasure. You are the most valuable thing I'll encounter today. And that's for all of us, right? Like, you may not have kids, but you come in here and you see all of them. Do you assume the best? Do you look at them and say, I bet God is doing amazing things in your life. I bet if I knew you, you would be a blessing to me. Like, we've got to assume the best, right? You have to be willing to look at them and, and, and assume the things and align your heart and align your spirit and your mind to the things that won't squelch them, the things that won't embitter them, the things that won't crush their spirit. You have to be, have your baseline be encouragement. You have to have your baseline be connection. You have to have your baseline be, I, wanna, I want you to go farther than I ever will. So you have to be willing to assume the best. We also have to be willing to do it together. Like, I'm telling you, the responsibility that a parent has, the responsibility, it's just too much for you to do alone. So you're just not made for it. Like, I'm telling you, it is not easier to do it together, but it's better. So everyone here is here for each other. Like, I, like, you're he, like parents who have kids that are grown and gone, you, you are here to be a blessing to families who have kids who are just coming up. Not just to give them a crib, but to say, hey, can I make you some lasagna and talk about what's going on? Right? Like, how many, how many of you who have kids that are older just wish that somebody would have been like, hey, I, not, not even tell you what to do. I understand. You're not. Stop. No, let's be honest. No one understood. No one understood. Um, like, that, that would be amazing. Just to, just to be empathetic. More than that, we don't have it. I don't have enough to give to everyone here. I don't. Our small group leaders don't. Their parents don't. We need to form. We need to understand that we're here not for ourselves, but so that they can be the best version of themselves. We can be the version of themselves that God intended them to be. Like, like it's, it's as simple as learning somebody's name and just saying hey to them. I read this thing. I read this amazing quote where this guy was like. It, it was it was an interview, and he said, "Who's the most who's the most formative person in my life?" That's easy. A guy named Brent, who was my small group leader at church. This guy's 24 when he was interviewed. He said he was there for me in the darkest time. He was there for me the second time I tried to commit suicide. And he said, "I see." And he said, "When I told him about that, he said, he, he said, don't do it. We need you." And he said he hugged me and he teared up and he said, "I think he believes in me more than anybody else." Like think if all of us could be that. Think of all of us came together and used every bit of talent and gifting and empathy and support and poured into them saying, hey, we love you and believe in you so much. You're not my kid, but you're my kid. In any way you could, we're, we, we, need to do, we need to be willing to do it together. And finally, we need to be willing to dream big. We need to be willing to dream big because it says ultimately what we're going to do is we're going to lead them in the paths of the Lord. And the economy of the kingdom is increased, not decreased. The kingdom grows. Jesus said it's like a mustard seed. Starts small and ends up being the biggest tree in the garden. Their future is brighter than ours will ever be. 
I'm not, that's, not a, that's not a speculation. That's a fact. I remember, um, uh, so two guys, Tom, uh, Tom Tanner is the pastor at Riverstone, where we planted from, and David Eldridge is a pastor at Stonebridge, a church that we um, are in this network with. I heard Tom tell the story one time of he and David went to some conference, and Tom was speaking, um, and he was kind of nervous because it was a lot of people that he had kind of respected and was like, David, I'm really nervous. And David said, Tom, I didn't come to hear them. I came to hear you. And I was like, man, that's great. And then Tom said, after this, he said, and David wrote me a letter and it said, you know, thank you for taking me. Thank you for all this other stuff. I hope I can become twice the man you are. And at first you're kind of like, twice the man. That's kind of arrogant, don't you think? No, that's the ultimate respect, right? Like, because if he becomes half, you know, that's the thing we want to say, oh, I just wish I could be half the man you are. That sounds so, but it's pathetic, right? Because the next one becomes half, the next one becomes a quarter, the next one becomes an eighth, the next one becomes, and eventually you're left with nothing, right? And that's the, like, we want to increase, not decrease. We want, we want our kids to have things that we could never dream, not just materially, not just educate, but, but like in the core of who they are. I was talking to Brad um, Henson after service, and his son Matthew is at, uh, what's the conservatory? New England Conservatory of Music. Um, and Matthew plays cello, or bass, excuse me, upright bass, unbelievably talented guy. And he said, you have no idea how hard that was for me and Angie. I'm an engineer. She's an accountant. That's not practical. But I couldn't crush my son's dream. He said, I couldn't do it. He said, I couldn't crush his dream. I wanted, I didn't want to crush his spirit. I wanted him to chase it because I wanted him to have what his heart desired. Because it was better for him and it's better for me. And he looked and he said, you don't know how hard it was to put my son on that plane but we believe in it. Like, that's what we can be. Like, all I want to do, like, all I want us to do is believe in, in our students and our kids so fiercely that they have the confidence to do anything. That they don't need validation from somewhere else because they know they get it here. We could be that. We have to dream big. And I love, there's a guy named, he's a sociologist named Christian Smith, and he says, Kids can embody adults' highest hopes and most gripping fears. And if that's not true, I don't know what is. And I'm telling you, if we move in empathy, seek to understand, not to judge, and we're willing to lead, and we're willing to do this together, and we're willing to assume the best, and we're willing to dream big, I'm telling you, we will see our greatest hopes fulfilled in front of us. We'll see it. I was, sitting here, I was sitting here last service, and raise your hand, Cole and Tyler. Cole and Tyler, they were in the youth group a couple years ago, and they walked up here as a ministry team to pray for people. It's freaking crazy. Like, like no, like, I don't, like, you don't understand, like, uh, that, that is mind-blowing. Do you have any idea how awesome that is? Like, if that doesn't make you want to flip the chair over in front of you, person in it or not, like, you need to realign what excites you. Like, that is amazing, and that's the kind of place we can be. But we have to choose. We have to choose. So I want us to respond. Um, I want us to respond with worship. I want us to respond with singing. We have a few other ways, um, and I'll tell you. So we've got baskets up here. If you want to give your tithes and offerings, that's great. Give it. There's a box back there. You could drop it in there. If you want to respond... Uh, by taking communion and remembering Jesus, whose body was broken and blood was spilled so that we could be a family, so that we could have this responsibility together, you could take communion. We're going to have ministry teams come up. Go ahead, ministry teams, y'all can come up.
They're going to pray for you. Like if you need prayer, that this is a great place. Like if you feel overwhelmed as a parent, um, get prayer. If anything at all, like just whatever, get prayer. Here's my thing, though. I want you to do what we need to do to respond. Because here's the deal. C.S. Lewis said this. He says, there's no more, and more, there's no more valuable thing that you encounter than a person because they're the only in, in eternal things you'll ever see. And I'm telling you, if, if our kids aren't valuable, what is? They're the most valuable things we could ever be around. And it's too precious and the stakes are too high to just, to just be like, all right, that was a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be going to go to lunch now. What do you need to do? What, what commitment do you need to make in your heart? So here's what I want to, want to do real quick. Um, I want to do this right now before we start with this. So real quick, um, this is going to be messy. Are you all okay with messy for a second? Like this isn't like, oh, let's have a neat church. Let's just be messy for a second. If you're 21 or younger, stand up. Do me a favor. This is going to be a little uncomfortable. Just spread out across the room. Go, like youth, go. Y'all stop. Get where people can get to you. Here's what I want you to do. Find a kid. Yeah, stand up, sit up, whatever. I don't care, Josiah. Find a kid. Go find a kid. Seriously. I know that standing in church is weird, but go find a kid. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 30 seconds and I want you to pray the best prayer you can pray. Like I want you to bless their socks off. Give them everything you've got for 30 seconds. Okay, ready, go. Jesus, I love our students so much. I love our kids. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. I pray that you would be the priority and focus in their, of their life. I pray that you would lead them and guide them. I pray that they would do things for you that aren't even in our dreams yet. And I pray that we would be a community that loves and supports them. I pray we'd be a community that prefers and prioritizes them. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for them. Amen. All right, so here's what's going to happen. You can go back to your seats, kind of move, and I'll give you what's going on. Uh, so here's the deal. It's, we're officially done. If you want to give offerings up here, take communion up here, ministry teams up here. Um, Harvest is going to lead worship for a little while, but you are free to go. Uh, have a great Sunday. We love you.